Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hooper. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? Um, I'm here with my guest, Brittany. Um, Yeah, super excited. I think that's always kind of like a weird word to use um, that you're excited (laughs) to talk about trauma, but I think it's also, um, it is exciting to be able to talk with other survivors and hear their stories and know that they are bringing light to things that, you know, we often don't talk about. And so thank you for coming on today and just being vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, So my name is Brittany, um, and I am a survivor of sexual assault. Um, This particular uh, incident that I'm going to be discussing is actually, um, it's kind of funny. I had seen um, a post um, and had found out that season two was going to be about sexual assault. Uh, Literally, it was probably, um, I don't know the exact timeline, but it was right after, um, the assault had happened. Um, and I, um, share a lot on like TikTok and, um, my Instagram, um, just about advocacy with, uh, usually domestic violence actually. And, um, sexual assault has not been something I've ever, uh, felt comfortable discussing. Um, but then when I saw that season two, um, of what was her name was going to be about sexual assault, I was like, okay, this is, this is a sign. This is, you know, this is perfect timing. I'm going to reach out and, and discuss it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really crazy. Um, because I feel like this season kind of like it took a turn when I started, what was Mm -hmm. her name? Obviously it was created, um, because I'm a domestic violence survivor and, so the entire first season is dedicated to um, domestic violence survivors, but I realized that sexual assault is so prominent and I feel like it's happening a lot in relational like situations, like someone who's dating someone or a best friend or a marriage. And you would never think like I could be assaulted by someone I trust and care about or in my own marriage that there's even assault is even a thing. Absolutely. Um, And so I was like, I feel like this is a really important conversation and um, has brought like kind of a different, uh, I think it's brought a different conversation up. And so I'm really grateful though for this, for this opportunity. And I think, um, that it's definitely not a coincidence. Like I definitely think that when I started this second season, I knew that there were going to be specific people who I was hoping would um, hear about it and either like want to just like listen to it or would be like, this is the time that I need to share my story. And so it's cool um, for me to hear that. It's not great that you've like had and experienced that trauma and like, but at the same time, like that's what this podcast is, is surrounded around. And so I'm grateful that like, we've just found each other and been able to yeah. connect. Um, yeah, that's just, that's just, yeah. me. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and get into your story. So I know you said it happened recently. Mm-hmm. 
how did you guys meet and what happened? So, um, yeah, we were actually, um, coworkers. So, um, we were working together, um, and everything was kind of like, you know, normal, like where we just worked together. We were friends. Um, we kind of bonded over the fact that we had like shared trauma kind of like he had, um, an ex-girlfriend who actually was supposedly recently, um, assaulted as well. Um, so he was trying to cope with that and I was trying to help him through, um, you know, dealing with that. And, um, he was like recently seeing her and stuff like that. So it wasn't, and I, I have a boyfriend and it wasn't like anything like that. It wasn't, you know, nothing was ever insinuated. Not that it, um, even if I hadn't, obviously assault can happen. Um, even if I was flirty or even if I was, you know, into him, um, it can happen regardless. But, um, this was definitely like a friendship coworkership, what have you. Um, but that's how we met was, uh, he was a coworker of mine. Hmm. Um, did you, did you, sorry, did you feel like when you guys were coworkers, do you feel like you had sort of this like instinctual, like kind of, you felt hesitation towards, towards your coworker or was it really just kind of, you never really had any sort of suspicion about, about your coworker? Um, I mean, I think it's hard to say, like, I mean, of course, looking back now, like I can kind of be like, you know, hindsight is 2020. Right. So I'm looking back now and I'm like, Oh, like that's kind of a red flag. That's kind of a red flag. But like in it, no, like I was kind of like, Oh, this is like a damaged dude. And he like has this ex-girlfriend that he's, really hurt over. And, you know, I have this, like, I have, uh, domestic violence in my past and, you know, he would walk me to my car because I was, I actually just recently, um, filed charges against an ex-boyfriend for second degree assault. So, um, mm-hmm. I was worried about my ex-boyfriend coming after me. And so he would be like, Oh, I'll walk you to your car. So like, this was someone that I had no like inkling would be someone dangerous. Um, you know, and then looking back, I'm like, okay, like this is someone who, that there were, there were little like hints here and there where it was like, okay, that maybe, maybe. Right. Um, but it's not like, you know, with, with assault, it's not always the, um, dark alley, you know, some stranger that, you know, um, you get like hairs on the back of your neck, stand up. Like it can be someone that is really sweet and you have no idea. And, you know, it's not the, the TV show, um, you know, dramatization of what sexual assault looks like. And it's not some like scary monster villain. Like it can be someone who, you know, you would never expect. And right. And that's why, like, I think it's important. Um, and something that I'm kind of working on right now for, I don't really know how it will look yet, but I think talking about like what does trust look like and how do we give people trust when that trust has either been abused by us or maybe, and maybe because of that, we don't even trust our own decisions and our Mm -hmm. own intuition. And I think like what, what needs to be met for us to be able to recognize when someone is trustworthy and someone Mm -hmm. like, like, can be trusted. And then like when somebody, somebody isn't or hasn't. And I think that in, you know, sexual assault, 
um, like you said, like, and we've, I know we've talked about this a couple of times in the last episode, like we think that it's um, something like a, you know, a gang rape or something mm-hmm. that happens in the alleyway, which like those do happen, right? Um, obviously, but a, like, I mean, all of the stories thus far that have been shared have been somebody that we either knew or somebody who we were like romantically dating or interested in. And so I think, um, yeah, I think that that's why it's like really important to have these conversations. And as you know, although it may not be fun for people to like, listen to this. And I know some of, you know, explained that their perspective on like the podcast and hearing stories while it's like supporting people, it's hard to listen to and it, it can be mm-hmm. a weird headspace. And, um, while that that's unfortunate and kind of like talking about trauma and it's not an exciting topic to talk about, I think um, it's important because um, then it's keeping others aware, including ourselves. I think reminding ourselves like, okay, I need to actually be on, be like more aware of like my boundaries and mm-hmm. my surroundings and who I trust around me or where, you know, who I'm letting do X, Y, Z. And so I think, yeah, this conversation, I'm just like really, looking forward to like getting into your story. Cause I think, um, it just, I mean, each story is so different and provides like yeah. insight. Well, and I think it's important to like looking at the trust aspect. Cause my, um, I used to really be down on myself. And like, once I get into the story, um, I'll talk more about this too, but my default trauma response is the fond trauma response, which isn't talked about a lot. Like you, you hear fight, flight or freeze, Um, but fawn isn't really talked about. So like I give in, um, when my, um, abuser held a knife to my throat, I didn't call the police. I didn't run. I didn't scream. I just played like nice girlfriend for the rest of the night. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I went for my restraining order, the judge was like, how come you didn't call the police? And I just shrugged. I had no answer. Um, and same with this assault, I gave in, I didn't fight. I didn't run away. Um, you know, I gave in. And I think that that's also something that should be looked at because there's no real like wrong way to, uh, for your body to react to something that's happening to you, whether you did run, whether you did fight, whether you gave in, um, it's super important that I'm trying to learn myself to, to not be so hard on myself. And, um, blame myself for trusting someone and then for, um, you know, trusting myself, like trying to learn to trust myself that my body's going to do what it needs to do to take care of myself and, and, you know, keep myself, uh, for the most part safe, um, you know, in, in that situation. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know in, um, two episodes ago when, um, Faith came on, she is a therapist and she was sharing her story and she talked about um, fawning and I yes. really love to like unpack this, like this term as well as like what it means. Cause I think it's really important. And it's something that like, if you don't do the education yourself to learn about this, like you're just, I mean, chances are, if you're not experiencing trauma, like you're just really not going to know what it is. And so right. you may kind of think like, why did I not say no? Or right why didn't I scream or why didn't I kick and hit until they Mm -hmm. stopped? Um, You know, but I think that when we like dig into these terms, um, I think it it helps us recognize, like you were saying, like just being kind to yourself that the way that you responded was the best way that your body knew 
how to respond. And we're not meant to experience trauma. Like we were not like created. And I don't believe that like we like were intended to endure trauma. And so I think like recognizing that, like we're not going to know how to deal with it because like we weren't intended to experience it. And when we do experience it, you know, our bodies do what it knows um, is the only way to protect it, whether that's um, fawning or that's um, like amnesia after trauma and you just block it out and push it out. Um, And so I think, and then there's, you know, so many different others. And so it's like, I think just, yeah, I I really like that. And I think um, just recognizing and being really kind and gentle with yourself um, when you're hacking your own trauma and, um, yeah, I think that's really, it's really important. And I think a lot of people, including myself, um, have carried shame after Mm -hmm. experiencing sexual assault because I didn't handle it in the way that I thought logically I should have later on. Like logics just like completely go out the window when you're in the middle of an assault, I think a lot of Exactly. Yeah. Fight or flight mode. And so- it's just all, yeah, it's all, I feel like something that is just such a necessary conversation and topic. So I'm really glad that we're going to unpack your story today. Absolutely. Yeah. This was the weekend before, um, my birthday and he invited me to, um, come hang out in the city with him. Um, and this was strange cause he had never wanted to hang out outside of work. He had mentioned that if he got too tired to drive me all the way back to my house, which was only 20 minutes away, that he had a spare room that I could stay in. And I had to ask my boyfriend, obviously, you know, if it was okay. He had said yes, because this guy lived at home with his parents and, and he had said, you know, I'll still try to get you home all the way home. So we ended up going out. It was fine. Nothing out of the ordinary. Um, He was super sweet. His family was super sweet. He, uh, ordered us drinks. And I know that there's like a whole like, oh, did you get too drunk? That sort of thing. And like, nope, I had two drinks. And he like, he gave me his jacket when we were walking because it got chilly. Um, We were playing like arcade games and stuff. Um, Then uh, we were out at um, like a sit down place, one of the restaurants. And he randomly said, he had said, I'd be sleeping in a spare room. So it'd be like completely separate from him. And he was like, my bed is more comfortable than the spare bed. Uh, Like insinuating that we'd be sleeping together. And I was like, I flat out said, nope, like I'm not going to be sleeping with you. And I I think I had like jokingly said, like you can sleep on the spare bed then and I'll sleep on your bed. His, like he had said this in front of his family too, like his, his sister's, uh, boyfriend like gave him a, a weird look like why like it was so like nobody was talking about that nobody was saying anything um so this kind of made me think that hindsight makes me think that this was like a planned thing um and he was like oh no like I wouldn't I wouldn't do that like I know that we're not gonna sleep together I was just saying mm. now, I would I would never insinuate that someone was planning to assault me but I think that he had plans other than having us sleep in separate rooms for sure. So, I mean, I don't want to, I don't ever want to like insinuate that he was like, oh, like I, I was out to get, get you and like assault you. Um, but I think that his plan all along with, especially with the fact that like he, we lived 20 minutes apart from each other, like that extra 20 minutes wasn't going to be a big deal to drive. But of course, when you pull the whole like 
I might be too tired to drive. Like, I'm not going to argue that you're driving all the way there and back. I'm not going to be the one driving. So of course I'm not going to, you know, argue that, that rhetoric or that, uh, you know, weird statement, but, but yeah, that was looking back was just like a weird thing for him to say, like just randomly around his family. Right. So eventually like that was the only thing that he had said. And then we kept going with the night. We uh, had gotten back to his parents' house, like where he lived. And he had shown me where the spare room was. And there was nothing on the bed at all. Like it was completely stripped. And I had gotten ready for bed. Like we were like got ready separately. Like I went into the bathroom and got ready for bed and everything. And then we were just going to watch TV. And he like got underneath the covers and everything. And um, I just sat like on top of the covers and he was like, I just need to set up the spare room. And I was like, okay, like no problem. Um, then all of a sudden he was like asleep. And I put that in quotes because I, I like reached over and shut off the TV because at this point, like he, it was two ish in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I shut off the TV and like scooted myself as far away from him as I could, deciding that just falling asleep next to him. And like, I would deal with, you know, if my boyfriend were upset with me that you know, I would just explain to him what had happened and that he'd be okay. He's, he's really understanding. And then all of a sudden he like flipped over and was like on top of me Hmm. and he was like hugging me and he was like, I'm so lonely. I know you are too. And I start crying because my boyfriend lives in England. Um, and I'm over in the States. Well, and it's Uh, like human intimacy as well. I mean, like we all like crave this intimacy. And so to be, I mean, someone who you, to an extent, obviously trusted enough to like, let him drive you and like, you know, to be with hanging out. And so, and he knew like, this is someone that, um, and he had with everything going on with my ex too, like, he'd be like, Oh, like I always keep a gun in my car. And you know, if you ever need anything and I had been sharing my location with him just in case anything ever happened. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were fairly close. I mean, we had stayed up, uh, late a couple of nights. Um, cause I have, pretty bad. Uh, I'm diagnosed with PTSD. So I, there's nights that I don't sleep and he produces music. So he's up late sometimes. So we'll like sit and talk and like we were, we were, I would consider him a really close friend. So yeah, he absolutely preyed on my, on my vulnerability and he knew absolutely everything about me. Um, so yeah, I absolutely like broke down and he was like, friends can cuddle. It's okay. And, um, I was okay with that. I've always been, um, a pretty like cuddly person and I was like okay whatever so he laid down and I was like laying on him and um we were just like talking back and forth kind of like how I I considered him like a bro almost the way that we talked to each other like literally on our way down I was saying that um I would be a wing woman for him and his cousin whose birthday it was um and I was like as long as you don't leave me in some random person's house like that's fine um just make sure that you're like watching out for me and like protecting me and stuff um, but I had literally told him, you know, like, I'll help you find someone if you, if you want it. And he was like, oh, like, I'm, I'm not interested in sex. I'm not interested in girls and all this stuff. So I've always like kind of considered him like a bro. Like we talk like that. And I didn't even like think that he would have found me like attractive or been attracted to me. He's never really, he's called me cute maybe when we first met. Um, but he's never insinuated anything. He's always said he wanted to respect my relationship, et cetera. So I just thought he thought of me as like a sister type. And he grabbed my hair and yanked it. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I pulled away from him and I turned away from him, like literally in the opposite direction. And I said, no, I very, very clearly said no. And I said, what was that? And I said, we can't do that. And he said, I'm sorry. You're right. I couldn't help it. Um, I won't do it again. I promise. Just come lay with me. And so I did. He grabbed my hair again, but he didn't let go. Um, so he yanked it really hard. And I, my neck was like stuck or my head was like stuck to the left. So my head had turned to the left. Um, and I, at this point I was like whimpering in pain and trying to push away from him and he wouldn't let go. And then he pulled me on top of him. Um, and I'm still like, I'm fully dressed. I was literally wearing sweatpants and a, and a baggy t-shirt and he had like shorts on. Um, and he, um, so he like pulled me on top of him and grabbed my hips and was having me move my hips on him, like dry hump him kind of like we were back in like middle school almost. I focused on his pillow, um, like next to his head and just gave in. Um, and then I, when he supposedly finished, um, I pushed myself off of him and like curled myself up and I said, never again. Mm. And he like came over to me and he's like, Pinky promise you won't tell anyone. I'm trying to get a different position at at work and it would look bad for you since you have a boyfriend. And so I just said, sure. And I gave him my pinky and he said, thanks. You're really great. And, um, at this point I, um, don't know what happened, but I fell asleep really hard. Like, I don't remember feeling sleepy. I don't remember like, you know, when you can kind of like feel yourself like slowly getting sleepy and like your eyes are like getting heavy, Um, I don't remember that part at all. I just remember waking up in like this cold sweat and feeling sick to my stomach. Um, And I was panicking and I sat up really quickly and he like reached over and was like patting my back. And I reached over like to, um, to get like comfort from him. Like I was like, like to be like, Hey, I need like something's going on. Like I don't feel good. Um, and he had turned away from me. So he was facing, um, the door and I was still like trying to get his attention, like get him to wake up because I wasn't feeling well. And he grabbed my hand and, um, he shoved my hand down under the blanket and over his shorts and onto like over his shorts, like onto his penis. Mm-hmm. And I just froze. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked him what he was doing and then he put his hand under my, under his shorts and I just froze. Um, and then he flipped over onto his back and pulled his shorts down and he started like thrusting himself into my hand and I just looked at him and he then like grabbed my cheeks. Um, and every time I talk about this, I grab my cheeks because it, this was like the scariest part to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this part was the scariest part, but he grabbed mm-hmm. my cheeks and he was like staring into my eyes and he wouldn't let me break his gaze. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, this was like the part where I was like, this isn't the same person that I knew. It was like, right. this was a whole different person. Mm-hmm. And I ended up just giving in at this point because I, he was like, I was, my teeth were digging into my cheeks And then he was like sticking his fingers in my mouth. He kept bringing himself like really close to my lips. And then he would be like, don't worry, I'm not going to kiss you. After he had finished, um, he 
made me pinky promise again not to tell anyone. And then I tried to create as much distance away from him as I could. And I kept saying that I had a headache. And when we left his house and he was taking me home, he made a point to point out the nine, is it nine millimeter? I don't know much about guns, but his gun was sitting on the computer desk the whole night mm. and just, just out. It was in arms, arms reach of him the entire night. Um, and he just made a random point to, to say like, Oh, do you like my gun on the desk? Um, and yeah, so that's, that is what happened that night. Mm. I'm so sorry. Like I, f- I feel like there's a couple of things that I feel like listening to your story, I hear and I feel like is noteworthy to like to bring up is that I think that you having gone through, um, we haven't, we haven't talked about your domestic abuse, uh, relationships or past. And maybe that's something that we can have you back on for the third season, but having gone through that. And then I think that it's like so healthy and necessary that I think that you're recognizing the areas where certain uh, things came into play, for example, like fawning um, and, Mm -hmm. and I noticed that like when you're sharing, you would say like, and again, I didn't say anything or like, and again, I didn't do anything. And I think that there's just like so much like, grace for this and I think that people listening um who hear this as well I think that it's really important that I just say that there's just so much grace in this situation and I think like you not saying anything um is a response from your trauma and Mm -hmm it's like so, it's so normal. Like it's so, um, so normal and so common. And I think that um, just like he just, I mean, I think you said it like earlier in the beginning and like just hit it on the nail. Like he preyed on your vulnerability and your weakness and kind of created this relationship of like, you know, you can trust me and I'm a good guy. I'm like one of the good ones. I've got your back. And, and then come full circle as you explain the situation, as you explain that the bed wasn't made and, you know, his excuse for not wanting to drive you and, you know, his actions. I mean, the chances that he assaults somebody else or many is very high. Um, right. Odds are very high. And so like, I think that um, it's definitely not out of arm's reach to think that he has done this before or that, Unfortunately, he went into this situation like with the intention of assaulting you. But I just personally think that like somebody who is like who can do this to somebody, I just think that there is already an intention behind it because like you don't just like accidentally sexually assault somebody. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. And so I think there was already an intention behind this. And so while I think that sometimes as humans, we want to think the best about people and give people the benefit benefit of the doubt, um, which I think is healthy 
in certain, in certain, you know, scenarios, I think also recognizing that like someone's behavior in actions, um, it's not like, it's not like rude to think that or to say, yeah, he seeked me out and Mm -hmm. intentionally sexually assaulted me because to me, that's what it sounds like. Right. And yeah, I think that just coming full circle and hearing your story, it's just like, so it's like sad because like, I just, one, don't want people to experience it, but two, like, I think that after, and you can tell me if, if you disagree, but I think after um, we go through abusive relationships, sometimes we are like, because when you're in one, you want to so desperately just um, be in another life or like have another life. Once you're finally out, um, it's so painful to have to face all of the trauma. Um, and so it's like, it's like pain in the yeah. in a, in a relationship. And then it's like pain after, and you kind of, yep. think, it'll be better once I just leave. I will be yep. happier once I just get out. I will um, find love as soon as I'm not with this person and, and someone, you know, and even if it's not, maybe you're not hopeful that you'll find a good love. You think that um, the grass is always greener on the other side. And while being out of an, a, an abusive relationship, the grass is greener on the other side. Um, every time I think yes. that we don't recognize the pain that will come when we leave. And so we rush to like try right. to get in this life that we want, that we didn't have um, without necessarily, you know, facing head on, like, okay, I, you know, speaking for myself, I, I actually don't have boundaries. Like yep. I don't have good boundaries. Yep. I am a people pleaser to the yep. extent where I will put myself in situations that could harm me because I'm afraid that people are going to dislike me and yes. I'm going to make somebody upset. And so, you know, I think that, um, in this situation, like earlier you said something, um, you said like, uh, when there was a 20 minute drive that he drove you. And so you didn't feel mm-hmm. like you could say to him that you wanted to be driven home because he was the one who was driving. Right. And it, like, yeah, it makes sense. But also boundaries, right. Of like, no, I would not like to stay with you and it is 20 minutes, but right. I want to go home and right. that's uncomfortable, right? Like that is an uncomfortable thing for some people to say. And I get that because somebody drove you. And so it takes a level of like, of initiative uh, to say, you know, I actually don't want to do this thing you want to do. I want to do this because this is my preference. Um, And it's easier just to go along with it. And um, I just think that when we like dig through this stuff and like lay out the kind of the foundation of like, okay, these are my boundaries and this is like what happened. And um, not that in, by any, by any means that I'm saying that this is your fault, like at all, I'm just saying, I think that it's interesting to take a step back and to really see these things, because I think that they intertwine with your, uh, abusive situation that you went through. Mm -hmm. Um, they intertwine with that. And I think that that's so fascinating to me. Like, 
Absolutely. Yeah, how much they, they relate. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was more like, I think it also, because he had said he came from like an abusive situation. So I'm like, okay, here's this guy, this poor broken guy who's opening up to me and I just want to fix him. And that's my thing. And he actually mentioned that he was like, you, all you want to do is fix me. And I don't ask to be fixed. And he, um, was constantly drinking and that made me nervous. And like, actually that morning he had come into work late. So he didn't, he had to like leave his breakfast behind or something. So I bought him breakfast Mm -hmm. and like, I'm always doing like, I'm very much like a caregiving type of person because I would expect the same in return. Not to say that I ever get that, but I just think that people deserve that same level of decency. And so for this to just like completely, like I saw him as, as someone who was just like me and for that to be completely turned on its head was like, whoa, like, you know, and I had tried to say in like a people pleasing way that I had to pick up my brother early in the morning the next day. And that I didn't want to be a burden on him by staying over because he would have had to drop me off at my house early in the morning he wakes up at 9am every day. So he was like, it's fine. You can totally stay over. Um, I wake up at 9am every day. So it's no, no problem. So I had tried to kind of exert my boundaries in that way, but in like a roundabout way, like trying to use like an excuse. And he, uh, had said, Oh no, like, it's totally fine. Like you can still come over. So I, uh, kind of bent my boundaries a little bit in that way. But yeah, I totally, I totally, I have no, no boundaries now, but I didn't think I needed them with him because, especially because he knew, he knew my story already, uh, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have to be cautious and guarded about who we share things with. I think my therapist, she, she actually kind of highlighted this for me in a a helpful way. Like, and I've listened to, I was just listening to a podcast by Brene Brown and she was talking about trust. And I think that it's easy to want to be vulnerable with people because I think like we were talking about, we all crave like human connection Mm -hmm. See, and I think really just to be seen and heard and listened to, which is why I think even just what was her name like is so cool is like just because it's a space where our stories that wouldn't come up in everyday conversation are being talked right. about. People are listening to them in everyday mundane things they're doing within their life, right? On drives. Um, you know, I've known some people who are like listening to it at work. Like, so it's just, it's cool to be able to have this space. Um, but I think my therapist and then listening to these podcasts, like, and really learning about this topic of kind of like what I share with people and who I can and can't trust and recognizing like that it takes time and specific things that we need to learn and see, I think, to be able to extend that trust. And I think um, our stories um, are to be held close to our hearts because somebody could not have good intentions and then prey on that and try to like 
unfortunately squirm their way in, making us think that they understand or, you know, hear and, and see us and then really don't have good intentions. And so in future episodes, I really want to talk about this um, and plan to already previously. So I think it's like funny that we're talking about it now again. And I think, but it's hard to, be, to believe yeah. that someone who you were friends with at work would prey on you. Like it just, you can't imagine that people would intentionally cause and bring pain to others. Right. Well, and it's like, I still find myself like, even with my abusive ex, like, I'm like, how, like, how does, how does one become this way? Like, and I know the whole like childhood trauma and stuff. And like, I'm such a, like, what made them this way? And why did they do this? And my therapist has pointed out, like, it's a good thing that you, you can't see why they are this way, because that means that you don't have these intentions. You don't have, you can't, you can't fathom it. And I'm like, okay, but that doesn't help me, (laughs) you know, like, I want to know why, like, I don't, I don't get it. And like, I just can't, I'm such a, I didn't have the resources um, in my first abusive relationship when I was like 14. I didn't have anyone to go to. And I didn't have, you know, like an amazing podcast to listen to of people sharing their stories where I'm like, yep, that sounds exactly like what I went through. Yep. That sounds exactly what I went through. You know, I didn't have these amazing people to look up to where I was like, they can get through it. And so can I, you know, so it's, it's so hard to, you know, I saw him saying, you know, yeah, I went through an emotionally abusive relationship. So I was like, great, let me tell you about my emotionally abusive and physically abusive and sexually abusive relationships so that you can know that you're not alone. And then it's like, okay, now it's being used against me. And it's like, I'm, my mom tells me that I bring in strays Mm-hmm. And very literally and figuratively, I, if there's a stray cat, I'm like, I'm taking you home with me. But um, I'm, I feel like even after all of this stuff that's happened, I've gone through a decade of, of physical and sexual trauma. Um, and I, I don't think I regret it. I don't think I regret opening up to the people who have betrayed me and have wronged me because I, there are so many people that I've opened up to that have not. And, you know, I would, if I had strong or uh, overly strong boundaries, or if I put these walls up, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I wouldn't be, you know, advocating on my TikTok. I wouldn't be, you know, there's so many people I wouldn't meet and I wouldn't like have this passion. And, you know, so if it means that I, (laughs) and not to say like, I'm, I'm not trying to like bring this into my life, but if it means I get hurt every once in a while, then I guess so be it. But I mean, if, if we figure out a way that we can figure out who to trust and who not to trust, like if there's some like big red blinking sign, <laughs> let me know. But I don't like, I don't know how to figure that out, but I think you're absolutely, I think you're spot on with the, there's a, there's a distinct, because we had these abusive relationships, it's, it's so hard afterwards because it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm processing that trauma and it's like, I'm almost more prone to it. Um, like I'm in such a weakened state where I'm trying to heal that. One thing that I think, um, I, I think it would, it resonates with what you're talking about. And I listened to, um, and something that I'm working on is, um, called the braving inventory. And, 
it breaks down trust into seven elements. And, um, and like, I know that we all wish that there was just this, you know, like there was just this like green light on the safe people and red light on the people who are going to hurt us. Um, and especially when you're not taught and you don't have that foundation, it can be really hard to be, you know, going through life, not having the like proper skills, I think to necessarily set up the correct boundaries or be able to recognize it. And so I think a lot of these things, you know, come into play as we get older. Um, and you know, not to get into childhood right now. Um, cause that's like a whole different topic. I think for all of us, oh my gosh, you could do a whole season on that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Family is a different topic. But I think that it's all intertwined and, and interconnected into like, um, you know, the difficulties, difficulties that we have with boundaries, with trust, with, you know, trusting others, trusting ourselves. We may do like an episode just on that alone. Um, and oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. But um, we will come into a relationship with somebody or maybe it's a friend, a coworker, um, and we kind of either don't trust them at all and we really struggle with trust or we trust them too much and we don't give them time to really show us who they are. And so like, but how do you do that? Like how do you know when somebody is worth trusting and when somebody isn't on our end making sure that we ensure, um, you know, and kind of, we can work with this, um, the braving inventory to, um, you know, set boundaries with the people around us and let them know like what is okay for us and what isn't right. So, you know, with reliability, it's doing what you say that you're going to do, um, having an, an integrity, um, you know, accountability, holding to your own mistakes like apologizing and like making, amends. Um, and then vault was like, you don't always have to be sharing information necessarily that aren't yours to share. Um, and a lot of times like we will share things with people to sort of bond and connect with them. Um, but it's not always necessarily like stories that are our own, but others. And we bond over sharing and talking about other people, whether it's negative or positive, like sometimes it's just not information that needs to be shared um, and should be confidential. And, you know, then integrity, choosing courage over comfort and choosing what's right over what's like fun, fast, or easy and practicing, like not just professing them, but actually practicing what do I value and not just saying, you know, I value A through A through Z, but then my lifestyle doesn't actually reflect what I value and what right. I and who I am. And then the last one is, is generosity, which is just um, like extending um, the most generous interpretation to the intentions, words and actions of others. And so it's definitely a lot to unpack. Like it's, that's why I said it's like a whole episode, but I think, um, that's something that was really profound to me when I heard this, because I also asked that same question of like, how do I know when someone's trustworthy? And I wish that there was just an easier way for me to recognize it. Because I think when you've been burned so many times, you start to like withdraw in the sense yeah. that 
you can't, you question people's, people's words in action. And I think when we get this in order though, and we really figure out, you know, okay, this is what is the groundwork and foundation for a healthy friendship and relationship. And I can tell if somebody is worth trusting, if they are respecting my boundaries, they aren't talking really negatively about people all the time to me, or, you know, have integrity to show up when they say they're going to show up or be there when they say they're going to be there. And if people don't, um, and so I think like being, it'll help us to easier filter out the people who don't have good intentions or who are using us for their own gain and benefit. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that was a whole throw up of information, but I'm just like on no, this. I, like that. I wrote it all down because I that's that's amazing. I've never like you know you always hear like oh take your time when getting to know someone and it's like okay but how much time and what about you always hear about you know love bombing and stuff. I like that this is like it's it's multifaceted and it's you know if I had known this and I'm not blaming myself and saying like if I had known this then I wouldn't have trusted him but like right. you know if I had known this I wouldn't have trusted him you know like he definitely he didn't even make it past boundaries he didn't make it past B you know like one strike wow. you're out type of thing you know oh so good they gave me chills like when you said that like he didn't even make it past B yeah. like that's powerful and I think like yeah I mean like it's 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 like you not your fault and it's no one's yeah. fault but we have to have to have to like take a step back after trauma and like reevaluate our own boundaries like what right. do we believe about others what do we believe about ourselves like and I think I just, I think it's just like something that I feel like has become so like heavy on my heart. And like, I feel like God has put in my heart specifically is like in the beginning, this podcast was really just about sharing. Like I was like, I just feel like people need to have their stories heard, which that's great um, and necessary. But the more that I meet and get to talk to women, um, you know, week after week. And we talk about all these things. Um, I start to see patterns within all of the women and including myself. And I'm like, we now it's like, there's work that needs to be done. And just because we share our stories, it does, it provides a sense of relief. I think to know that our stories are out there and it's not in vain, but now the work is now is the time to work and to really understand and really develop healthy boundaries and healthy um, and healthy like perspective on our own identity and loving ourselves so that um, in the future we can um, have that foundation to really, you know, evaluate and to filter out people who may not have great intentions or a relationship that has gone sour and south. And you know, mm-hmm. we know that we deserve better, and we deserve someone who's emotionally available, like absolutely whatever, whatever it may be. And so, absolutely. yeah, I think that I think that in the future, moving forward, there's just going to be a lot more conversation about. Um, practically, like how can we grow and how can we not let this happen again to the best of our abilities? Absolutely. Um, I was always like, this would never happen to me again. I will never be physically abused again, yada, yada, yada. Um, But I don't have these boundaries and this happened again. 
I have to kind of switch from that fawn response and get into a fight response and, you know, be more firm with myself. It's not that I'm blaming myself, but it's, you know, nobody's looking out for us except for ourselves. And, you know, even the system, like I, I reported this to the police and the detective told me because I gave in, it's not assault. And that's not true. Um, and he berated me and um, basically bullied me into dropping the investigation. And that's a whole different thing. I think that that's a super important conversation. You said something about how like nobody else is going to advocate for you except for yourself yeah. and are looking out for you. And I think um, something I've learned in this process now that I'm out of it and I'm, I think, more on the end of really bringing awareness um, and advocating against domestic violence. And um, mm-hmm. within that comes um, creating strategies and practical ways for women um, to not end up back in the relationship that's abusive or um, preventing them from hopefully entering into one because they are aware of right. um, the tactics. And that comes right, right. Bringing awareness and um, Caitlin Jorgensen. I don't know if you follow her on Instagram. Oh my gosh, love her. Yeah, love same, her. same. Love her. And for those who don't know who she is, she is an Instagram. It's um, Caitlin.Jorgensen. And she, um, she like manages um, Custody of Peace, which is uh, an organization that helps like bring awareness um, surrounding more so like coercive um, control. She was talking to me um, about how she had said something to me. And she was like, she was like, Maya, um, the only like person who's going to advocate for you is yourself right now. Mm-hmm. Like, like practically here on this earth, like you are the person who has to continue to like show up to those court hearings or continue to, uh, you know, badger your lawyer about this or, and she was, you know, talking to me about, you know, the legal system and how, um, people aren't going to listen to you and how you have to show up and you have to be consistent. And, um, I've been just navigating that in my own walk with like, God, I'm a Christian. Obviously I know, that, you know, not everybody is that is listening to this. Um, but just navigating, how do I like, there is a level of anger and sort of this, I think, righteous anger that comes with having experienced such injustice. And like, there is a level of like righteous anger, but also recognizing as survivors, like we have to advocate for ourselves and bring awareness. And if you feel called, like really learning about these topics and in being able to, whether it's to the people around you, educating them, or it's on Instagram or on TikTok, like you were saying, um, yeah, we have to yeah. like make that change in the, in the circles around us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think these conversations are super necessary and important. Um, I do want to know how did it affect you and how did it manifest into your life? Because that after post abuse and post, um, mainly post, uh, sexual assault, how did that manifest in your life? Yeah. So, um, my, um, boyfriend actually was coming to visit for my birthday right after. Um, and my, um, PTSD completely flared. Um, I 
tried to uh, cuddle with him and I was actually in the same like position that I was with, with this other guy, um, like the same like cuddling position. And I absolutely like lost it. Um, I started screaming. I've never um, had like a flashback so intense before. Um, I literally like I, because of him, um, yanking my hair I couldn't look at myself and like my long thick hair anymore I shaved like the sides of my head um professionally like I I wasn't like (laughs) I didn't go like full manic not that there's anything wrong with that I fully support you know (laughs) going and doing something crazy to your hair but um it definitely like my I don't know why um this specific um sexual assault just felt so um damaging and it wasn't um penetrative it wasn't um as far as i'm aware um it just felt like this was such a slap to the face um and i don't know if it's because i'm finally like i'm i i do emdr therapy um i don't know if it's because i'm finally doing that and finally working through the trauma of my abusive relationship that i'm like okay like i'm finally you know healing and this happens and it's like okay now we're 10 steps back but it was it's been hard and it's just, uh, I'm completely like hypervigilant now. I don't go out. Uh, insomnia is crazy and it feels like almost silly because it's not, you know, I find myself being like, Oh, it wasn't that bad. And, you know, but it was, and, you know, sexual assault is sexual assault, no matter what happens and betrayal is betrayal. And, you know, just, especially with if you have um, like PTSD as well, you never know what's going to happen. And it's just been, it's been very odd to see how my body and my mind are reacting to it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think that's amazing that you sort of took back something. I feel like that he had taken from you in the sense of shaving your hair. Yeah. It was, I, my uh, hairdresser, she did it. Like we went and we like, I wrote a note um, and I literally wrote, I'm taking back what you took from me or I'm taking back the power that you tried to take from me. Wow. And we burned my hair like out in her driveway and we cried. It was great. Mm. Wow. I'm taking back the power that you took from me. So good. Um, I'm writing it down, even though I can to listen to this <laughs> like five times. Um, <laughs> it's a um, long one. So. <laughs> I'm going to listen to it still. Um, and I think that's incredible. Um, I think even in this, um, I think it's not even just one time necessarily that we can take back what someone took from us, but I think that it can be a continual pattern. And I think, yeah, in in this moment right now, I think you sharing story is you taking back that and changing yep. narrative um yep. and be encouraged to like people people are listening and every week I'm like I'm, I'm like just amazed that people are listening <laughs> and it's like <laughs> I just was like in the beginning I was like is anybody gonna even listen to this like <laughs> I don't even know like this just like when I I don't know if you listened to the my first episode when I talked about the founding of like, what was her name? But I had to have yeah. And I was like, never in a million years would I think about having a podcast like ever. 
and yeah. is not something that that I would ever on my own think about. And you know, sitting there, and I remember having a moment of like, literally, is anyone going to even res- respond to this? And <laughs> I think it's cool to um, to know, like, for it's cool for you to know this that people are listening, and people um, every time without like without fail will say that they have listened to an episode and um, it helped them in a tremendous way, whether it's healing, whether it's preventing a abusive relationship from continuing um, getting out, or it's like a family member that, you know, their daughter was in one and then they heard it. And, you know, yeah. so there's, there's so much like, even though we may, may justice may not look the way that we think that it should, it does not mean that justice is not being done and prevailed. And sometimes that just, I'm going to start crying. (laughs) Sometimes that justice just looks different. And that's a hard thing to come around to when you have been deceived and assaulted and abused, but it doesn't mean that that justice is not happening. And I think allowing that progress and the pace of the aftermath, really it, hits you and takes a while and it, you know, healing is not linear. It takes time, right. but just right. is also not linear. And I think it takes time. Um, it's right. not always this like one and done thing. Sometimes it is, but a lot of times I think we can see that justice in small amounts, um, you know, where someone hears our story and then for the next time they, won't put themselves in a situation or they recognize something that they heard on this podcast and they think, I'm not going to get in the car with this person. I want to go home, you know, or, you know, kind of notice tendencies. And so I think nothing is in vain that you've experienced. And even though those police police officers didn't provide um, that protection and security for you or affirming you, like, I want to affirm you that like what you encountered is sexual assault and it was not your fault. And that this story that you have is going to impact others. And it was not, will you explain <laughs> what happened, um, afterwards when you finally started to speak out about it? Um, who did you tell and what what happened um, afterwards when you started to speak out about the assault? Yeah. So um, at first I had told my friends uh, what had happened. Um, I didn't tell them for a couple of days um, because he did, you know, make me pinky promise not to tell anyone. Um, And at first I didn't realize that it was assault. Um, I thought because I had given in that it was consensual. Um, and at this point I was like, you know, what am I going to tell my boyfriend, that sort of thing. And, you know, um, kind of going over all of that with my friends and, um, my, um, uh, when I had finally decided to tell my boyfriend, I had texted, um, the guy that did it. And I was like, I'm telling, I'm telling my boyfriend. He was like, Oh, it's, it's your choice. Um, and, he had not really spoken to me since it happened. Like it was like, he kind of got what he wanted and was done with me. Um, and when I went to tell my boyfriend what had happened, I, this was the first time that I really sat and thought about everything that had happened that night. So I made a point to write every single detail down. Um, 
And um, when I was going over with him what had happened, he was, you know, understandably pretty upset and, you know, had said that he needed some time to just think about it and he was going to come back and, and, you know, talk to me. Um, and he was like, I want you to know that I, I'm not upset with you because of what happened because it, you know, you were assaulted. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? Mm. And he was like, you said in your, you said in your, when you were going over all of it, that you said no. And I was like, yeah, but I gave in, like I, I cheated on you. And he was like, Brittany, you said no. And you were pushing him away. And he kind of had to like, bring me back into reality to be like, you do, you do this like in your free time, like you advocate for people like who, who go through this. Like he kind of had to be like, come on, like this guy tried to manipulate you into thinking that it was different type of thing. And, um, and that kind of like shook me to my core. Like I was like, uh, what, (laughs) you know, like I, I, it took me a minute to kind of, um, be okay with that. Uh, Obviously I'm not okay with that, but you know, like I was like, not, you know, not comprehending what he was saying. I had the next day I tried to go to work and just seeing him act like everything was fine, like in his life was not okay with me. Um, and I kept, I had to like leave my desk and I was having panic attacks. So eventually I had to report it to, um, our HR department because they were like, what's going on? Um, so he was put on leave while they were doing an internal investigation, on everything that was going on. Um, and then I, uh, spoke to, uh, crisis workers, um, and they had suggested that I go to the emergency room and get an exam done. Um, and then eight days later, um, the human resources manager called me to let me know that he was going to be returning to work. So I quit. Mm. Um, I basically told them that I was going to be taking the rest of the week off to like, think about my decision. And, I decided that I was not going to be returning back um, because he worked in pretty close proximity to me. So, mm. well, do you feel like feel like you've just been let down in the way that people have responded to your experience, which is like yeah. so sucky? Yeah, it was. Um, well, and there was um, a coworker of ours too who knew about it, and she. Uh, at first was really like supportive. And then once he was put on leave, she came back and she was like, well, you didn't say that it was assault to me. Like when you told me about it and, um, she was like, you know, you could ruin his life and all this stuff. And she was just saying really awful things to me. And, um, she wasn't supposed to be like discussing anything with him and she kept discussing things with him, but then she would tell me about it. Um, which was like, not, she wasn't supposed to see that. So it just felt like, like I've never had a, like with my abusive relationship, like I had like a victim blaming situation, like with the judge. Um, but the whole, like, uh, when I reported him back in November, the cop that I reported it to, like, he was super sweet and told me like, not, none of this was your fault. Like, thank you for coming forward about it. Even though it's been three years, like, he was super nice. The detective for that case was super nice. Um, so this was really my first taste of like victim blaming. And I was so like, uh, I was flabbergasted, honestly. And it was just like, especially from women too. Like, it was just like, like, I didn't think this was a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And especially like my workplace too, because he could have been moved to a different location and done his job at a different location. And, you know, it just felt very much like I was not being protected. And, um, you know, it just put things into perspective and yeah, was, you know, I did everything by the book. I did everything that I was supposed to do and, or that I thought I was supposed to do. And I was still, you know, uh, told that I was lying and told that, you know, oh, but you were flirty with him. And um, it's just, it's a shame. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, I would agree. And I think that that just stems from like people being uneducated and like, um, I don't think that's an excuse though. I think that right. they handled that extremely poorly. And right. in retrospect, I think that working for a place that defends um, someone who would assault someone is not a place that you want to be working anyways. And so, um, but I think it's not uncommon where people are like not (sighs) protected underneath like workplace environments or even um, human resources because yeah a lot of times it's a he said she said situation from the outside looking in and um yeah I feel like that's its own I think that that's its own like I don't know what they have to go through in order to be educated on certain topics to be able to hand, handle them but I think just like poor just like poor educate like education I think that people should I mean there's just so much more that they should have communicated and asked you that I feel like they didn't. And so it seems like they just kind of discarded it and already had made up their mind about what they thought and kind of like a, well, tough luck. Like if you don't like it, then this is kind of the situation. So, exactly. um, so I know you said that that is what kind of spiraled you into what you want to do in the future. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you feel like are your visions and dreams moving forward? Yeah. So, um, I mean, ideally, um, I, so I had gotten in touch with, um, I'd reached out to the coalition against, uh, domestic and sexual violence, uh, here, um, because of what had happened with the detectives. And, um, I had looked up their protocol, um, you know, and, and saw that, you know, it's, it's supposed to be very victim-based and, you know, you're supposed to be very fragile with them. And, you know, at this point I had taken a step back from, um, it being about me personally. And I was like, okay, if this had happened to someone else, would I be happy with the way that the detective treated me? Um, and the answer was astoundingly no. Um, and, you know, he had said, you know, you didn't say that you said no in your initial report. And I ha- I literally have the folder right here that I, I gave him. I have it right in front of me. And I gave him a folder and um, he was, I w- went to go flip through it. And he was like, you don't have to look through that. Like we, I have a copy of that. And I literally, the word no is, is written in my folder. Um, Cause I typed out my statement and just berated me. And, um, you know, just it, I'm so uh, like, so I reached out to, um, the coalition, um, 
and I was like, this, this is what happened. Um, and I am now in touch with the survivors cohort. Um, and, um, you know, they kind of, uh, if there's any legislature that's passed, um, in response to domestic violence or sexual assault or stalking, um, then survivors kind of get a chance to voice their opinions on it and kind of say like, this is what happened. And, um, you know, this worked for me, this didn't work for me, um, and kind of get to say, uh, they get a voice, um, when they were kind of failed by the system because it it happens way too often. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, I don't want to misquote the the statistic, but out of a thousand sexual assaults, 975 perpetrators will walk free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's from rain.org, which is like, that's insane to me. Um, and I know like we've, we've talked about, uh, you know, we were talking about like justice comes in different, different ways, which is awesome. Right. Um, you know, and it's, I think that made me feel a lot better, but it's also, you know, this is a system that's meant to protect us. And like you said, like, this seems like something that, was premeditated something that he's done before and and like you know, do again exactly and that's I think that's uh I haven't looked too much into the behaviors of people like this but I think that that's usually like it's not like a one and done type of thing as far as I'm aware but um I could be misspeaking on that um but you know, like you know it, the chances of him doing it again are are extremely high um you know I think I think that also, um, yeah, there just seemed to be a lot of like a manipulation at play. Um, and I think that I'm, I'm a full like believer that people can change. Like I do think, Mm -hmm. you know, he could turn around or someone could turn around and, um, recognize that they have some issues that they need to work through and go through counseling or do the things that they need to, but in order to grow, but I think in order to do that, that would require them to, um, be able to like evaluate that they have an issue and a problem. And it doesn't seem like he did that understanding. And I mean, we don't know where he's at now, but, um, if there's no, like, if there's no, um, you know, inner self dialogue with himself, I think the chances of him doing it again, because he doesn't see that it's a problem, um, are high. You know, I'm not really worried about him so much anymore because it's like, okay, you got away with it and you were able to scare me into being quiet, but you know, there's a bigger, bigger issue at play here. You're on the right track. What is one tip that you would say to those listening? Yeah. Um, I think I touched on it a little bit in the beginning was, you know, um, with the fawn response, but it, any response, regardless, um, you know, if you fight, flight, freeze, fawn, if you decide to report, if you don't decide to report, um, you know, any of that, just be gentle with yourself. Um, you know, make sure that you're, you're taking the time to, to really heal is super important. Don't, blame yourself ever. Um, obviously that's something that we all say, um, easier said than done. And also a big thing that I, um, have learned is that knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. I found that, you know, looking up statistics and looking up, you know, the laws, especially in my state have helped me out a lot. Um, and just being like, Oh, like, this is what, 
the statute of limitations. And, you know, I have until this time to report this. I find that that really helps me when I'm stuck ruminating on what happened. If I'm looking up, you know, laws or legal stuff um, with any of this, it really helps. But most importantly, yeah, just be be gentle with yourself and any anything that you decide to do um, regarding assault of any kind um, is the right thing to do, period. You know, you know yourself better than than anyone. The way I reacted is not, you know, there's no perfect victim. There's no perfect survivor. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so good. And just, I think, cool to that. Like this, this portion is always just um, profound to listen to and to hear people who have a tip and who are able to like reflect on their experiences and to kind of be able to say like, okay, I've experienced this. This is what I did. And this is what you should look out for. The yeah. next. Those are, that's like how we learn and how we like continue to like make change. And so I think yeah. um, it's really powerful. Um, but I'm super grateful that you came on today. I, um, I just think it's amazing how this podcast has like just brought so many people into my life that I would never have met otherwise and all able to relate and resonate through our own trauma. Things that at one point in time, we all kept so hidden from others. And so I think this is just like an amazing thing to be on a journey and to like get to see others journeys. And like, we're all kind of like on the same journey, but different at the same time. And so we can relate and resonate in such real deep ways and just get it to an extent. And so, yeah, I'm just grateful that you came on. So thank you for being vulnerable and just, yeah, taking time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm sure we'll hear hear more of you on season three. Um, I'd love to get your your story of abuse at some point um, as well, if you want to share it. So I would love to. Perfect. All right, guys, tune in next Thursday um, for our next episode. Thanks for listening.